Section 39 of The Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. The Natural History, Volume 4, by Pliny the Elder, translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 39. Chapter 87. Mustard the three kinds of it forty-four remedies mustard of which we have mentioned three different kinds when speaking of the garden herbs is ranked by pythagoras among the very first of those plants the pungency of which mounts upwards for there is none to be found more penetrating to the brain and nostrils padded with vinegar mustard is employed as a liniment for the stings of serpents and scorpions and it effectually neutralizes the poisonous properties of the fungi to cure an immoderate secretion of phlegm it is kept in the mouth till it melts or else it is mixed with hydromel and employed as a gargle mustard is chewed for toothache and is taken as a gargle with oxymel for the afflictions of the uvula it is very beneficial also for all maladies of the stomach taken with food it facilitates expectoration from the lungs it is given too for asthma and epileptic fits in combination with cucumber seed it has the effect of quickening the senses and effectively clears the head by sneezing relaxes the stomach and promotes menstrual discharge and the urinary secretions beaten up with figs and cumin in proportion of one-third of each ingredient it is used as an external application for dropsy mixed with vinegar mustard resuscitates by its powerful odor persons who have swooned in fits of epilepsy or lethargy as well as females suffering from hysterical suffocations for the cure of lethargy tortillon is added that being the name given to the seed of heartwort and if the lethargic sleep should happen to be very profound an application of it with figs and vinegar is made to the legs or to the head even used as an external application mustard is a cure for inveterate pains of the chest loins hips shoulders and in general for all deep-seated pains in any part of the body raising blisters by its caustic properties in cases of extreme indurations of the skin the mustard is applied to the part without figs and a cloth is employed doubled where it is apprehended that it may burn too powerfully it is used also combined with red earth for alopecy itch scabs leprosy thoracis tetanus and opithotony they employ it also as a liniment with honey for styes on the eyelids and films on the eyes the juices of mustard are extracted in three different ways in earthen vessels in which it has been left to dry gradually in the sun from the thin stem of the plant there exudes also a milky juice which when thus hardened is remedial for toothache the seed and root after they have been left to steep in must are beaten up together in a mortar and a good handful of the mixture is taken to strengthen the throat stomach eyes head and all the senses this mixture is extremely good too for fits of lassitude in females being one of the most wholesome medicines in existence taken in vinegar mustard disperses calculi in the bladder and in combination with honey and goose grease or else cyprian wax it is employed as a liniment for livid spots and bruises from this seed first steeped in olive oil and then subjected to pressure 
an oil is extracted which is employed for rigidity of the sinews and chills and numbness in the loins and hips chapter eighty eight adarka forty eight remedies it is said that adarka of which we have already made mention when speaking of the forest trees has a similar nature to that of mustard and is productive of the same effects it grows upon the outer coat of reeds below the head chapter eighty nine marubium or prasin otherwise linostrophum filiopes or filiocaris twenty nine remedies most medical writers have spoken in high terms of marubium or whorehound as a plant of the very greatest utility among the greeks it is called prasin by some by others linostrophon and by others again philopase or philocaris it is a plant too well known to require any description the leaves and seed beaten up together are good for the stings of serpents pains of the chest and side and inveterate coughs the branches too boiled in water with panic so as to modify its acridity are remarkably useful for persons troubled with spitting of blood whorehound is applied also with greased scrofulous swellings some persons recommend for a cough a pinch of the fresh seed with two fingers boiled with a handful of spelt and a little oil and salt the mixture to be taken fasting others again regard as quite incomparable for a similar purpose an extract of the juices of whorehound and fennel taking three sextari of the extract they boil it down to two then add one sextaris of honey after which they again boil it down to two and administer one spoonful of the preparation daily in one scythus of water beaten up with honey whorehound is particularly beneficial for the afflictions of the male organs employed with vinegar it cleanses lichens and is very salutary for ruptures convulsions spasms and contractions of the sinews taken in drink with salt and vinegar it relaxes the bowels promotes the menstrual discharge and accelerates the afterbirth dried powdered and taken with honey it is extremely efficacious for a dry cough as also for gangrenes and hangnails the juice too taken with honey is good for the ears and nostrils it is a remedy also for jaundice and diminishes the bilious secretions among the few antidotes for poisons it is one of the very best known the plant itself taken with iris and honey purges the stomach and promotes expectorations it acts also as a strong diuretic though at the same time care must be taken not to use it when the bladder is ulcerated and the kidneys are affected it is said too that the juice of whorehound improves the eyesight castor speaks of two varieties of it the black whorehound and the white which last he considers to be the best he puts the juice of it into an empty eggshell and then mixes the egg with it together with honey in equal proportions this preparation used warm he says will bring abscesses to a head and cleanse and heal them beaten up too with stale axle grease and applied topically he says whorehound is a cure for the bite of a dog chapter ninety wild thyme eighteen remedies wild thyme it is said borrows its name serpilum from the fact that it is a creeping plant a property peculiar to the wild kind that which grows in rocky places more particularly 
the cultivated thyme is not a creeping plant but grows upwards as much as a palm in height that which springs up spontaneously grows the most luxuriantly its leaves and branches being whiter than those of the other kinds thyme is efficacious as a remedy for the stings of serpents and the sencris more particularly also for the sting of the scolopendra both sea and land the leaves and branches being boiled for the purpose in wine burnt it puts to flight all venomous creatures by its smell and it is particularly beneficial as an antidote to the venom of marine animals a decoction of it in vinegar is applied for headache with rose oil to the temples and forehead also for phrenitis and lethargy it is given too in doses of four drachmae for grippings of the stomach strangury quincy and fits of vomiting it is taken in water also for liver complaints the leaves given in doses of four oboli in vinegar for diseases of the spleen beaten up in two cyathe of oxymel it is used for spitting of blood chapter ninety one the cimbrium or thybraeum twenty-three remedies whilst the cimbrium by some persons called thybraeum does not grow beyond a foot in height the kind which grows in watery places is similar to nasturtium and they are both of them efficacious for the stings of certain insects such as hornets and the like that which grows in dry locations is odoriferous and is employed for wreaths the leaf of it is narrower than the other kind they both of them alleviate headache and deflections of the eyes philinus says some persons however employ bread in addition while others again use a decoction of the plant by itself in wine it is a cure also for epinectus and removes spots on the face in females by the end of four days for which purpose it is applied at night and taken off in the daytime it arrests vomiting hiccups grippings and fluxes of the stomach whether taken with the food or the juice extracted and given in drink this plant however should never be eaten by pregnant women except in cases where the fetus is dead for the very application of it is sufficient to produce abortion taken with wine it is diuretic and the wild variety expels calculi even for persons necessitated to sit up awake an infusion of it in vinegar is applied as a liniment to the head chapter ninety two linseed thirty remedies linseed is not only used in combination with other substances but employed by itself it disperses spots on the face in women its juice too is very beneficial to the sight combined with incense and water or else with myrrh and wine it is a cure for deflections of the eyes and employed with honey grease or wax for impostumes of the parotid glands prepared like polenta it is good for fluxes of the stomach and a decoction of it in water and oil applied topically with anise is prescribed for quincy it is sometimes used parched also to arrest looseness of the bowels and applications of it are used in vinegar for coliac afflictions and dysentery it is eaten with raisins also for pains in the liver and excellent electuaries are made of it for the treatment of phthisis linseed meal with the addition of nitre salt or ashes softens rigidities of the muscles sinews joints and vertebrae as well as the membranous tissues of the brain employed with figs linseed meal ripens abscesses and brings them to a head mixed with the root of a wild cucumber 
it extracts all foreign bodies from the flesh as well as splinters of broken bones a decoction of linseed meal and wine prevents ulcers from spreading and mixed with honey it is remedial for pituitous eruptions used with nasturtium in equal quantities it rectifies malformed nails mixed with resin and myrrh it cures affections of the testes and hernia and with water gangrenous sores a decoction of linseed meal with fenugreek in the proportion of one six stars of each in hydromel is recommended for pains in the stomach and employed as an injection with oil or honey it is beneficial for dangerous affections of the chest and intestines chapter ninety three blight six remedies blight seems to be a plant of an inert nature without flavor or any pungency whatever hence it is that in meander we find husbands giving this name to their wives by way of reproach it is prejudicial to the stomach and disturbs the bowels to such a degree as to cause cholera in some it is stated however that taken in wine it is good for the stings of scorpions and that it is sometimes used as a liniment for corns on the feet and with oil for affections of the spleen and pains in the temples hippocrates is of the opinion that if taken with food it will arrest the menstrual discharge chapter ninety four meum and meum anthematicum seven remedies meum is never cultivated in italy except by medical men and by very few of those there are two varieties of it the finer kind being known as anthematicum because according to some it was first discovered by athamas or else because as others think that of the best quality is found upon mount athamas the leaf is similar to that of dill and the stem is sometimes as much as two cubits in length the roots which run obliquely are numerous and mostly black though sometimes white it is not of so red a hue as the other kind the root of this plant pounded or boiled and taken in water is diuretic and is marvelously efficacious for dispelling flatulency of the stomach it is good too for grippings of the bowels and affections of the bladder applied with honey to the region of the uterus it acts as a diuretic and is used as a liniment with parsley upon the lower region of the abdomen in infants and has a similar effect chapter ninety five fennel twenty two remedies fennel has been rendered famous by the serpent which tastes it as already stated when it casts its old skin and sharpens its sight with the juice of this plant a fact which has led to the conclusion that this juice must be beneficial also in high degree to the human sight fennel juice is gathered when the stem is swelling with the bud after which it is dried in the sun and applied as an ointment with honey this plant is to be found in all parts of the world the most esteemed preparation from it is that made in iberia from the tear-like drops which exude from the stalk and the seed fresh gathered the juice is extracted also from incisions made in the root at the first germination of the plant chapter ninety six hippomerathron or mercenium five remedies there is also a wild variety of fennel known by some persons as hippomerathron and by others as mercinium it has a larger leaf and a more acrid taste than the other kind it is taller also about the thickness of a walking stick and has a white root it grows in warm but stony localities diocles speaks too of another variety of hippomerathron with a long narrow leaf and a seed like that of coriander 
The seed of the cultivated fennel is medicinally employed in wine for the stings of scorpions and serpents, and the juice of it injected into the ears has the effect of destroying small worms that breed there. Fennel is employed as an ingredient in nearly all our seasonings, vinegar sauces more particularly. It is placed also beneath the undercrust of bread. The seed in fevers even acts as an astringent upon the relaxed stomach and beaten up with water, it allays nausea. It is highly esteemed also for the affections of the lungs and liver. Taken in moderate quantities, it arrests looseness of the bowels and acts as a diuretic. A decoction of it is good for grippings of the stomach, and taken in drink, it restores the milk. The root, taken in a pison, purges the kidneys, an effect which is equally produced by decoction of the juice or of the seed. The root is good, too, boiled in wine for dropsy and convulsions. The leaves are applied to burning tumors. With vinegar, expel calculi of the bladder and act as an aphrodisiac. In whatever way it is taken in drink, fennel has the property of promoting the secretion of the seminal fluids. It is extremely beneficial to the generative organs. Whether decoction of the root in wine is employed as a fomentation or whether it is used beaten up in oil, many persons apply fennel with wax to tumors and bruises and employ the root with the juice of the plant or else with honey for the bites of dogs and with wine for the stings of multipedes. Hippomerathron is more efficacious in every respect than cultivated fennel. It expels calculi more particularly, and taken with weak wine is good for the bladder and irregularities of the menstrual discharge. In this plant the seed is more efficacious than the root. The dose of either of them, being a pinch with two fingers, beaten up and mixed with the usual drink. Petricus, who wrote a work on serpents, and Mitron, who wrote a treatise on botany, are of opinion that there is nothing in existence of greater efficacy against serpents than hippomerathron. Indeed, Nicander has ranked it by no means among the lowest of antidotes. Chapter 97 Hemp Nine Remedies Hemp originally grew in the forest, where it is found with a blacker and rougher leaf than in the other kinds. Hemp seed, it is said, renders men impotent. The juice of this seed will extract worms from the ears, or any insect which may have entered them, though at the cost of producing headache. The virtues of hemp, it is said, are so great that an infusion of it in water will cause it to coagulate. Hence it is that if taken in water, it will arrest looseness and be burden. A decoction of the root in water relaxes contractions of the joints and cures gout and similar maladies. It is applied raw to burns, but it must be frequently changed so as not to let it dry. Chapter 98 Fennel Giant Eight Remedies Fennel Giant has a seed similar to that of dill. That which has a single stem bifurcated at the top is generally thought to be the female plant. The stalks of it are eaten boiled and pickled in brine and honey. They are recommended as particularly beneficial to the stomach. If taken, however, in too large quantities, they are apt to produce headache. The root of it in doses of one denarius to two siathia wine is used in drink for the stings of serpents, and the root itself is applied topically for the same purpose, as also for the cure of gripings of the stomach. Taken in oil and vinegar, it is used as a check for excessive perspirations and fevers even. The inspissated Juice of fennel giant, taken in quantities the size of a bean, acts as a purgative. 
and the pith of it is good for the uterus as well as for all the maladies previously mentioned to arrest hemorrhage ten of the seeds are taken in drink bruised in wine or else with the pith of the plant there are some persons who think that the seeds should be administered for epilepsy from the fourth to the seventh day of the moon in doses of one spoonful fennel giant is naturally so inimical to the murina the very touch of it even will kill that fish castor was of opinion that the juice of the root is extremely beneficial to the sight chapter ninety nine the thistle or scolimos six remedies we have already spoken when treating of the garden plants of the cultivation of the thistle we may as well therefore not delay to mention its medicinal properties of wild thistles there are two varieties one of which throws out numerous stalks immediately it leaves the ground the other being the and having but a single stem they have both of them a few leaves only and covered with prickles the head of the plant being protected by thorny points the last mentioned however puts forth in the middle of these points a purple blossom which turns white with great rapidity and is carried off by the wind the greeks give it the name of scolimos this plant gathered before it blossoms and beaten up and subjected to pressure produces a juice which applied to the head makes the hair grow again when it has fallen off through alloplacy the root of either kind boiled in water creates thirst it is said in those who drink it it strengthens the stomach also and if we are to believe what is said has some influence upon the womb in promoting the conception of male offspring at all events glaucius who seems to have paid the most attention to the subject has written to that effect the thin juice like mastitch which exudes from these plants imparts sweetness to the breath chapter one hundred the composition of therica but as we are now about to leave the garden plants we will take this opportunity of describing a very famous preparation extracted from them as an antidote against the stings of all kinds of venomous animals it is inscribed in verse upon the stone in the temple of Asclepius at Kos. Take two denarii of wild thyme and the same quantity of alpaponics and mayum respectively, one denarius of trefoil seed and of anise seed, fennel seed, ami, and parsley, six denarii respectively, with twelve denarii of meal of fitches. Beat up these ingredients together and pass them through a sieve after which they must be kneaded with the best wine that can be had, and then made into lozenges of one victoriatus each. One of these is to be given to the patient, steeped in three siati of wine. King Antiochus the Great, it is said, employed this theriaca against all kinds of venomous animals, the asps excepted. Summary Remarkable Facts, Narratives, and Observations 1506 Roman authors quoted Cato the Censor, M. Varro, Pompeius Linnaeus, Sivalgius, Hyginus, Sextus Niger, who wrote in Greek, Julius Bassus, who wrote in Greek, Celsus, Antonius Castor. Foreign authors quoted Democritus, Theophratus, Orpheus, Beander, who wrote the Biocresta, Pythagoras, Nicander, medical authors quoted, Chrysippus, Diocles, Ophelion, Heraclides, 
Hyssescus, Dionysus, Apollodorus of Citium, Apollodorus of Tarentum, Praxagoras, Philstonicus, Medius, Diochis, Cleophantus, Philistian, Asclepiades, Cratius, Petronius, Diodatus, Iolus, Erastoratus, Diagoras, Andreas, Nestides, Epicharmus, Damian, Dalian, Sosimenes, Tlepolemus, Metrodorus, Solo, Lycus, Olympus of Thebes, Philinus, Patricus, Mycton, Glaucius, Xenocrates. End of section thirty nine. End of the Natural History, volume four, by Pliny the Elder, translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley.